Dominic, Dominic, Dominic. Highly contested. T3 on the track. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats. Act like radios are off. The takes is high. Highly contested. It's getting wild. Highly contested. If you want to talk the talk, then you better walk the walk. Get the facts. Show the stats. Hello and welcome to Highly Contested. This podcast covers some of the hottest topics in the world of football and basketball, where our crew gives our highly contested takes on these topics and supports our takes with facts. I'm Andrew and I'm here with George, Joe, and Frank. George, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good, man. How are you guys doing? Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Watch football. Have a good time. Yeah. And Frank, how about you? How are you doing today? I'm good, bro. Tomorrow's, thank God, it's Friday. Yes, indeed. It is Friday tomorrow. That is a great thing to think about moving forward, uh, which we will post this Friday morning for our viewers to listen as they have a great Friday as well. Some of today's featured topics include, what are your keys to victory for each team in the Western Conference Finals? Who's going to have a more successful season in 2020, Cam Newton or Tom Brady? And has Joe Burrow separated himself from all other rookies as the best rookie so far? Let's dive headfirst into it here on Highly Contested. Let's jump right into it. The Denver Nuggets completed the 3-1 and one comeback on the LA Clippers. They will play the other Los Angeles team, the Lakers, for a spot in the NBA 2020 Finals. So, George, what are your keys for success for the Lakers versus this Nuggets team. The keys for this matchup, I think, is going to come down to Anthony Davis and his production in the second half of these games. Um, but, you know, I got faith in the Lakers. The Lakers outscored the Nuggets by 28.3 points per 100 possessions in a little more than 56 minutes with Anthony Davis at center. Uh, with the Joker on the floor against Davis at center, the Lakers were a plus 22. And the Nuggets scored only 60 points on 66 possessions. Uh, Getting Joker involved in defending the pick and rolls is something uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are well prepared for. If Davis is at the five, uh, Jokic will be in danger of getting into foul trouble amongst with players with at least 100 uh, shots this postseason. Anthony Davis only trails Jimmy Butler in free throw attempts per stat head. But LeBron and Anthony Davis have the top two uh, box plus minus in the bubble. So like I said, I think this is going to come down to Anthony Davis. You know, I think they match up better than any other team did against the Nuggets. You know, we saw the Clippers didn't have an answer for Jokic. You know, they tried to double team him and he would just facilitate and shred him apart. You know, the Lakers, they got bigs that can handle him. They got Anthony Davis, who is a great defender. Dwight Howard, who's a great defender, and they also got JaVel McGee, so they could throw different bodies on him where they don't need to double team Jokic, you know, and they don't have an answer for LeBron James either. So I think this is going to be a good matchup for the Lakers. I see this going about four or five games. I don't really see it going past that. What are your guys' thoughts? Frank, what about your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, you know what? I think this is obviously a way uh better i think the denver nuggets are gonna be a better team to face the lakers than the lakers have had so far um 
they do definitely bring a challenge. I think Jokic is fresh from the series, which I think he outperformed. I think he did better than Kawhi Leonard. Um, but it's all about how Jokic can hold up defensively on Anthony Davis, you know, and then at the same time, can the coaches, I mean, the Lakers coach, I mean, how is he going to match up Nicola and, and Michael Potter Jr.? Like, you know, it's all about the matchups. Uh, I mean, obviously you got LeBron James there. You can never doubt that guy. That guy's going to bring some definite gameplay to this. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be a good matchup. I'd like to see if if Davis can guard Jokic more, you know, at all, in, in fact. So I definitely think it's going to be a crazy game. Mm. All right, Joe, what are your thoughts? All right, my two keys for both of the teams in the West Conference Finals are one, the Lakers need to slow down Jokic and Murray, and two, win game one. You got to win game one to show at least some dominance, not lose it on purpose, or you're just trying to strategize. And for the Nuggets, don't let the series go down three to one if you're down in the with only one win. Ball your heart out each and every game. And two, slow down AD and put the clamps on LeBron. I have an X factor for the Nuggets. It, it might not be who you think it is. It's it's everybody else except Murray and Jokic. Everyone else needs to step up too, not just them two by themselves. Everyone else needs to step up. So, what uh, do you guys think? I, I, I'm I'm going to say that Denver takes it in seven. Hmm. Um, before I give my take on, I think who will take this series. I think uh, I want to I want to kind of get my keys out there because I feel like for the Lakers this. This is the most important thing. Do not let this series drag out for longer than it needs to. If you have this Denver team by the throats, squeeze harder. This team can and will come back from anything. They came back from multiple leads in each of the last three games versus the Clippers, and they ended up winning the series. This includes a 16-point lead in Game 5, a 19-point lead in Game 6, and a 12-point lead in Game 7. All leads, uh, all of those leads went away and the Denver Nuggets were able to win all three of those games. Now, I know this is LeBron, and he's never lost a 3-1 series, but if this team plays with their food, the Predators will become the prey. Another thing I have to say for the Lakers is Anthony Davis needs to man up. Uh, he just needs to man up against Jokic. We saw that Rudy Gobert did a good job of this, and Jokic was limited in that series. And the Clippers didn't have that kind of a player, and Jokic just went off. The Lakers have that kind of player in AD, and he needs to make life tough for Jokic, not allow him to get comfortable. This is a player who was in talks for Defensive Player of the Year, so I fully expect him to rise up to the challenge. And he needs to if this Lakers team wants to move on to the finals. For the Nuggets, Jamal Murray needs to be great this series. He needs to be as good as he was in the first round of the playoffs. This Lakers team is filled with good defensive guards that can switch on defense and really maul opposing offenses. I've seen Jamal Murray be sensational, and he's been my choice for MVP of the playoffs so far. He's averaged 31.6 points per game in the series versus the Jazz, but he only averaged 22.6 points per game versus the Clippers. He's got to step up. He's got to step this game up and go back to averaging 30 a game if they have a chance to win this series. And then the second thing for Denver, 
the the bench has to be just as good as the Lakers bench. Lakers have some studs on their bench. You know, they got Kyle Kuzma, they got Rondo, who's really become playoff Rondo here, especially in that series versus the Lake uh, the Rockets, and Caruso as well, which Caruso is one of my favorite players to watch for sure. If Mason Pumley, Michael Porter Jr., and Torrey Craig can step up defensively and offensively, this series will be won by the Nuggets. Um, so to give my take on it, I say, and this is me, this is me saying this. I say that the Lakers have to win in five or less. They have to. If this goes on, if this goes on to, if this goes on to six. I think that the Lakers are just playing a really dangerous game with this team. So I'm going to say Lakers in five. That's I a, say Nuggets in six. Wow. How about you, George? George? Yeah, I said Lakers in – I'll give them five. I think the Nuggets might pull out one game. So I'll say Lakers in five. Will it be that first game, George? I don't think so. Uh we know LeBron James. He's been here, done that before. He's not going to, you know, let the Nuggets come back and sh- show up like they did to these other teams. And let's not forget, you know, the Lakers have been able to stop the opposing guards in these playoffs. You know, they were able to slow down uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. They were able to slow down Westbrook and James Harden, which I think all of those guards, no disrespect to Jamal Murray, but I would put all of those guys ahead of Jamal Murray. So, I see them slowing down Jamal Murray, and I see Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard being able to slow down uh, Jokic. So I don't think the Nuggets are going to be able to pull away from this one on top of them being tired. You know, they just came back from two, three to one down deficits, which is exhausting to do. And not just did they come back, but they were down double digits in those games. So that takes a lot of energy out. We'll see how much energy they got left and how much they can put out, but I don't think they got much left in the tank. I think they used up a lot of it, you know, to get to this point. And let's not forget, you know, the Lakers have championship DNA on the roster. They got LeBron James, who's been a champion, JaVel McGee, who's been a champion, and Rondo, who's been a champion. So I don't see them losing any momentum. Like if they're up 3-1, I don't see them losing it. You know, we got players on the team that know what to do in these situations and know how to close out these games. Um, to your, to your last point. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, LeBron, Rondo, those guys, but I mean, I don't think you can include McGee in that like championship DNA category. Let's be real. I mean, he was, he was, a he was at most, you know, a good role player in those finals appearances and everything. So, um, and then, you know, to your other point, I, I would definitely agree that, you know, Lillard, Westbrook, Harden, I definitely think that they have the better resume than Murray, but let's be real here. I mean, through this year alone, we've seen that he has stepped up in the playoffs a lot more than any of those players that you listed. So in my opinion, that matters more when it comes to the playoffs, you know, which is going on right now. And especially because it's happening right here, right now. And these, and this Nuggets team, I think you got to keep in mind too, that, you know, this Nuggets team is, is, you know, fired up they're motivated they you know they just completed something that has never been done in nba history and it's it wouldn't surprise me if that coach fires them up even more he seems like that kind of a coach to me unlike another coach but we won't talk about that um and 
he, he you know uh mike malone he's just you know he's got this i think you know he, he this team is just feeding off of his energy they're feeding off of Jokic, Jokic's energy and murray's energy and i just i think that this team if you play with this team they will eat you alive for sure yeah uh just going back to all that you know you're saying murray's had the better playoff so far this season well they haven't had to play the lakers yet so of course back to my point on the lakers defense they've been able to slow down and shut down those other opposing point guards and guards so that's why they made them look not as you know explosive as they were so that's going to be a big key in this game uh and don't be disrespecting mcgee bro he's still got championship dna he still knows what to do yeah no one said he was the the star of the team but he still knows what to do in these late game situations in championship games and he his experience even on the bench is going to be great such so some of these young guys like uh, kyle kuzma who's never been in this position before you know even if mcgee's not playing huge minutes he can help out a kyle kuzma on the bench if he's having a shooting slump he could talk to him and get him motivated and tell him hey you know whatever you got to do you got to do whether that's rebounding playing defense make an impact mcgee is important you know don't just disrespect him because he wasn't the star you know he's still a champion he still played his role and i think he's going to play a great role in this uh playoffs and um yeah so we'll see what murray can do what mcgee can bring to the table and like i said you know I think the Nuggets are gassed out. We even saw when the Warriors, for example, when they went on that historic run and won the most games in NBA history, when they made it to the playoffs, they were gassed out. You know, this takes a lot of energy out of them. And the fact that the Nuggets were able to come back 3-1 twice is amazing. But like I said, that that takes a lot of energy out of them. And I think they're tired right now. So we'll see how they come out in this series. Yeah, um, I don't. I wasn't necessarily disrespecting McGee. I was just, you know, stating the fact that in those in those playoff runs and those finals runs that he, he was with the Warriors, he just, you know, he was that nothing, you know, he wasn't more than, you know, a good role player, and that's just the truth of it, you know. It's not like he was, you know, it's not like he was a star or anything. It's not like he stepped up in certain games. He was just a good role player, and that was it. And I mean, you know, I I'm probably the person who, you know likes mcgee the the most out of any of us here i mean i was the one when he was on the warriors that you know would always joke about him and everything like that because i i i always liked him on the team and i think he brought like very good energy a very good um attitude you know just like a positive like attitude to the team so i i always have liked mcgee i just i just think that you know when it comes to that kind of thing, I don't think that's his, I don't think that's really his, you know, job or his forte. You know what I mean? That's just me personally. But, um, to your point though, about, you know, Lillard, you know, uh, Westbrook Harden, I'm just, you know, all I'm saying is that the Murray has proven to me that he can step up when his team needs it. And so, we'll just have to see. We'll have to see how he does against the Lakers because the Lakers got great. This will be his toughest challenge yet for sure. And the Lakers got great guards to defend him. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I mean, that's the point of a veteran on the team such as McGee is to do those things that I was saying and that you're saying isn't his job to do. That's why you bring veterans. That's why you bring people that have been battle tested in the playoffs in championship games. And I even forgot to mention Danny Green. You know, he's a champion who's been on some really good teams with some great players who 
knows what to do in these late game situations and these playoff situations. So I, I think we got the well-balanced team going forward. Yeah, Danny Green. I would I would put Danny Green as a better example than McGee for sure. He's he's definitely got that uh, mentality, that winner's mentality, and he he knows exactly what to do in those games, and he, he knows exactly the role that he needs to play and everything. So that's a good. That's definitely a good example to use. Um, I uh, I personally think that when you look at this Lakers team, I don't know what you guys think. Uh, you know, everybody, Joe and Frank included, but. I, when, when I look at this Lakers team and I ask myself, like, if they are up 3-1 and Denver wins that that game five, uh, I mean, is that a red flag? I think that might be a red flag if you're a Lakers fan, honestly. What do you guys think? Oh, yeah, it's definitely a red flag because um, they're bringing up, like, oh, can they do it for a third time? That media presence saying, oh, they're going to do it one more time. There's a possibility that I could do it one more time. So it might get in the Lakers' head and maybe frustrate them a little bit more. Mm. What do you think, Frank? I mean, it gives me all more reason to, to kind of <laughs> joke on LeBron if he couldn't do it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's one thing he hasn't done yet is brought a chip to L.A. So I don't know. Right. Well, he's also, you know, he's also never lost a three-one lead, which I exactly. Mean, so if, it's it'd be going down in history when they talk about the greats. You know, is it Michael Jordan? Is it LeBron James? Is it such and such and such and such? Well, to me, if he, if it's three and one, and he ends up losing to Denver, you cannot put him in the same thing as a goat. That's just my opinion. I don't believe it. What are your thoughts, George? Yeah. That would not be a red flag to me if they lose. <laughs> was it game five? You said, yeah. So they so they yeah. make the series three two. Yeah, that would not be a red flag. It could go game seven, and there ain't no red flag. LeBron's going to take care of this, and the Lakers and Anthony Davis, they got this. But, but it's if definitely they lost. not going. Mm, if they lost so, what? But if they lost, there were th- if they were three and one, and then they ended up losing the whole series to Denver. You still don't think those are red flags? <laughs> what well, in that sense they've already lost, right? You're saying the series or a game? Well, I mean, like I guess I can say a little better. Like if they go three and one, and then Denver comes back and wins game five and wins game six, so now you're three and three. You still don't think that's a red flag? I, w- I wouldn't be scared. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I would be scared, not going to lie. If I was a Lakers fan, I'd be scared. <laughs> I mean, you'd be putting all your faith in Anthony Davis and LeBron James and so on and so forth, obviously, as a Laker fan, but I'd still be I'd still yeah, be worried. I'm putting my faith in players who've been there, done that before, against players who've never been in that position before. So I'd feel pretty confident. They've been in that position twice in the same playoffs. They've never been to the Western Conference Finals or uh, Finals game. Yeah, so, but they've been down three and one twice in the same playoffs. Yeah, but that's that's totally different than being in a Western Conference Finals or in a Finals game, where the Lakers, like I said, got plenty of players who've been here in these situations and know what to do. I don't know. I think, in my opinion, it's still the playoffs. It's still a seven game series at the yeah, end of the day. Uh, exactly. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, you go to Raptors and Warriors. Warriors have been there before. We've been down before, and we've came back and won. Yet. Raptors beat the Warriors. I, I mean, you're, you're you not gonna. Yeah, but you're not gonna say that was because of injuries. 
Well, I mean, that didn't that. help, but we still made it to the finals. Yeah, you lose Kevin Durant, you lose Klay Thompson. I mean, I don't know how many people expected the Warriors to come out on top losing those two pieces. Yeah, I did. But, but the, here's the thing. You're, you're you're going you're talking about like experience. Well, what experience did Raptors have going to a championship? Kawhi mm. Leonard and Danny Green. <laughs> I mean, but that's two players compared to you know, yeah. the rest of the Warriors squad. That's yeah. two important players. So, I mean, Frank asked who had championship DNA there. And I just pointed out two big ones, one including the best player on the team. So there's that answer. Yeah. I, you know, you can make that, you can make the argument about the Warriors and Raptors. That's fair. But I think, you know, going back, you said, oh, one team has been there before and one team hasn't. I mean, one team has, one team might have been like, in a playoff atmosphere before, you know what I mean? So to speak. And they've been to the Western conference before, actually, to be honest, um, none, uh, none of those players besides Danny green have been to the Western conference finals. Truth be told, it's all been the Eastern conference or they've not gone to the conference finals at all. So you disrespecting JaVale McGee again. Yeah, I am not going to lie. He's been there. (laughs) I mean, this is like, I mean, this is again, this is no, (laughs) this is no disrespect to him. But you just like, said you yeah, disrespected I'm, him. No, I'm no, I'm <laughs> omitting him from the equation because rewind, rewind the tape. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, I am like, I am kind of like, you know, ignoring him honestly because let's be fair, the dude, you know, he he's there for tip off. He plays like what five minutes and then he's out for the rest of the game. I mean, that's usually how it goes for him. Well, I mean, he went from Shaq in the fool to learning how to do a jump shot. I mean. It's pretty big for him when he was on the Warriors. I mean, to be fair though, I've never seen him do a jump shot like in a in a serious game or anything. So I mean, I don't know. Like, it, it's to me. Okay, so to me, at the bottom line, this is you were saying this is going to come down to who's been there and who's done that. And the point that I was trying to make is if if it, if they're up three one, the Lakers are then, I mean, let's not act like the Nuggets haven't been there and haven't done that, all right? I'm not saying they haven't come back from a 3-1. Obviously, we just seen it happen twice. But I'm talking about a bigger stage when the lights are brighter. They haven't been there, and that's just facts. They're there now, and we'll see what they do now. But we can't say they've been there before when they haven't been there before. We'll just have to see. And that's what I'm saying. And we can't also forget the biggest uh, comeback in NBA history, too, with LeBron James coming back from 3-1. So that's why I'm also saying if, for whatever reason, it did go to a Game 7, I still have my faith in the Lakers being able to pull that out with the championship and experience that they got on the squad. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's be real. That's the ultimate of comebacks right there. So... Let's switch gears now and talk about the NFL. Tom Brady and the Bucks lost their first game of the season versus the New Orleans Saints. On the flip side, Cam Newton replaces Brady as the quarterback of the New England Patriots, and he wins his first game of the season on Sunday versus the Miami Dolphins. So, George, we're going to start with you again on this one. Who is going to have the more successful season in 2020, Cam or Brady? All right, well, to start this off, I mean, I, I would like to define how we will define success, right? So what what are we going to consider to be more successful? Are we talking about better stats, a better record, a deeper playoff run? You know, what exactly are we going to consider success, you know, looking forward? 
So I'm going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to hold the standard of excellence of winning and who can make a better championship run, right? That That's the standard I'm going to hold it to. So we know the Patriots are in the business of winning, and so is Tom Brady. So if we simply look at stats, I would definitely say Tom Brady would have better stats by the end of the season just based on the division he's in. So he's going to have more shootouts playing against teams like the Falcons, uh, the Panthers, and the Saints, right? Versus the Patriots, they got to play the Jets, the Bills, and the Dolphins. So, you know, they're going to play with more leads. They're, Cam Newton's stats are probably going to be lower because he's not going to have to throw as much. But on the flip side, Cam Newton will probably have an easier schedule, have easier games where he can win. So, I mean, I predict going forward that Cam Newton will have a better res- or record than Tom Brady. I think he'll have an easier path to the playoffs. But he's still going to have to get over the Chiefs. And that's the team that I don't know if they can get over. So I'm going to still say that Cam Newton has the better season just because Tom Brady's aged and he's in a brand new system. And so is Cam Newton, but he's younger. He's a little more explosive. He can make more plays and extend plays with his legs. And Tom Brady, we see if, you know, his line collapse, he's going to throw it away. You know, he's not going to take that chance to make that play. Where Cam Newton, we saw in game one, you know, he wasn't worried about his health. So that tells me he's 100% healthy. He was making those runs. He was taking those hits. And maybe that backfires, you know, if he takes the wrong hit later in the season. But, you know, just me predicting going forward, I do think Cam Newton will have the more successful season. Having Bill Belichick, you know, orchestrating that defense and offense and you know, just that division he's in and the schedule he's got. I just see him having an easier path. What are your guys' thoughts? Joe, what are your thoughts? Okay, for me, my standard will be, like, stat-wise. I think Tom Brady will have a better season than Cam. So, Brady has more weapons to use on offense and, uh, okay, good coach. You know, he's not Belichick status, but he's he's up there and good coaches. I'm predicting that Brady will have over 4,300 yards and have over 35 TDs and maybe give or take 10 interceptions. Cam Newton's game last week was good because he played against the Dolphins. Come on. In fantasy, you start every player against the Dolphins. I know I did, and you guys probably did too. I don't know. So talk to me when it's week nine and tell me about the Patriots. Week 15, Dolphins will beat the Patriots. So, Yeah, Joe, I mean, that that's one of the points that I was making. You know, they got an easier division against some easier teams, so I think Cam will have more wins. And I know you're basing it off stats, but let me ask you this real quick, Joe. If Tom Brady, you know, let's say he leads the league in yards but somehow misses the playoffs – and Cam Newton, you know, he's maybe middle of the pack when it comes to yards or touchdowns, but he makes a deeper playoff run. Are you still going to consider Brady to have the be- uh, more successful season? Yes, I-, I will consider Brady having a more successful season. Even Just with be- missing the playoffs? Yes, because he had more stats to his name this season than middle of the pack Cam. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how everyone else feels, but I definitely don't think <clears throat> stats is going to be the defining factor of success. I know that's how you're defining it, but when it comes to especially Tom Brady, 
you know, he's all about championships. So anything short of that, especially with the weapons he has, I think would be a bust. Well, when it's week nine, we'll talk about it, see how good Cam is. Yeah, well, you know, George, you almost took word for word what I was thinking and was going to say. I have to agree with you 100%. I'm going with Cam Newton all day long. Not that Tom Brady is not a good, you know, quarterback or anything, but I mean, if we are going to go off the first week or two, I mean, Brady, you can tell he wasn't taking any chances. And the only time he did take chances was in garbage time when it was already out of reach for him. And I mean, he didn't even average seven yards per attempt, even though their coach said that they would be going all out this this year. I mean, they gave him like a 78.2 rating. And on Cam Newton, I mean, he had a 15 for 19 for passing attempts, 155 yards. He had a win uh, 21 to 11. They gave him a 100% rating. I mean, that's just... Against the Dolphins. You're, and I understand that. I understand that. But in general, kind of how George was saying, you have a mobile quarterback with a Belichick mind. I mean, come on. If, if you had a pocket passer like Tom Brady, that was unstoppable. And now you got a guy who can move. To me, that's just now you just got it all. I mean, you can we? You know, Cam Newton can be a, a pocket guy. We've seen him do it, but you've also seen that he can run. So I mean, best of both worlds. I mean, he's not typically a running quarterback, but he's a lot more than Tom Brady ever was. So with the Belichick mind and Cam Newton's phys, you know, physique, being able to move that ball, kind of use his legs a lot more than Tom Brady. And exactly like George said, the fact that their season is should be a little bit easier. Um, I mean, yeah, they're both in, in a new system. And, you know, to, and then again, maybe Tom Brady's, you know, George said he was he was older. Which is true. He's one of the oldest quarterbacks in the, or if if the oldest quarterback in the league, and uh, but that's the thing, right? Experience may have that that upper hand in something where it may be a new system, it may be a new team with new players, but he does have the weapons there, so the experience can come into play. He knows what to do in crunch time. He knows what to do when there's you know a couple minutes left on, on in the game and you're down by whatever and you need to make it to a certain yard line, so. A lot of things can come into factor, but overall, I definitely got to say, in my opinion, I I think Cam Newton's going to take this. At the end of the day, uh, I think he'll go farther, have a better record than Tampa Bay will. But you know, again, anything can happen. It's the NFL, so you know, we guess we'll have to see. Like Joe said, we'll wait till Week Nine. Yeah, and uh. Let's not act like Cam Newton's a scrub either. You know, this ain't Jared Stenham. Cam Newton's a former MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl before, and he's got a huge chip on his shoulder ready to prove something because so many people doubted him and, you know, didn't want to give him a chance. That's so, the big key right there. You're exactly right. Because yeah, most people are saying, how the hell can the Panthers get rid of Cam Newton? You know? Exactly. So, I mean, he's got a lot to prove. And I think he's got something to prove. And like I said, he's been an MVP before. He's been to the Super Bowl. So he's no scrub. You know, he's a good player. And we'll see how the season plays out. But I'm definitely saying Cam Newton over Brady. Andrew, what are your thoughts? Um, So you guys are kind of, you know, take it. Like, I'm glad that you guys are kind of like, you know, 
dissecting this question as well as you guys have done so far, honestly, because, you know, it, really the question is very broad and it can be, it, it could be up to interpretation. Right. So, um, glad that you guys are dissecting this question as much as you are, um, to your guys. So I'm going to address first the back and forth, um, that you and Joe had first, George. So you, uh, when Joe stated that he believes Brady is going to be more successful. And again, he was mentioning that he was basing it off of statistics. You asked him if you, you know, given the scenario where Tom Brady and company miss the playoffs, but Cam Newton makes the playoffs and, you know, wins round one, maybe round two or whatever. And, you know, you, you were talking about who would be more successful in that situation. And I think the key to that question though, is you asked who would be more successful cam or Brady. And I think if you are looking at it as just who between these two players are more successful at that point, you have to go by statistics because if you're, if you're going to go by, you know, just wins uh, or not, sorry, not just statistics, but wins as well. If, if wins is going to be the bigger deal, well then you need to ask you need to ask the question differently. You need to ask it more. So who's had the more successful season Buccaneers or Patriots. Now with that being said, you know, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about what I think. So I believe that Brady will be more successful by statistics, but Cam is going to be more successful in getting more wins. And the big reason behind this is coaching. Let's be real here. Brady has a coach that is going to help him get numbers while Cam has a coach that's going to help him get wins. It's as simple as that. Bruce Arians has a coaching system that promotes passing, especially down the field passing. Brady has an arsenal of weapons that he's going to utilize once that chemistry is there. I mean, we're talking about an offense where Jameis Winston had stats such as over 5,100 yards passing with 33 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, of course, the 30 interceptions, that's a big deal. But I definitely think Brady could put up at least those kinds of numbers with fewer interceptions. Now, Belichick is a guy who is willing to do whatever it takes to win. I mean, he assembled this great defense together, and then the Patriots go ahead and sign Cam to be the, the quarterback to lead this team to victories. This is a good division to do that. They got four games where they play Miami and the Jets twice a year. And the Bills will give them the challenge, but I believe regardless, they can get at least 11 wins this season. And I think that'll be enough to beat out the Bucks in victories and to make that playoff push. Now, some are some, some people are saying that it's a different environment and that Cam, you know, isn't going to be successful. Uh, I've seen Cam, I've seen Cam be more successful with less. Let's be real here. In Carolina, he never really had, I mean, besides from Steve Smith, the beginning of his career, he never really had a great receiver ever. I mean, you can make the argument that he had a good tight end. Sure. Greg Olson, but even he started getting older and not as successful. And so Cam was, I mean, you were looking at, you were looking at the roster and I mean, nobody had any of those Panthers receivers in their fantasy team, you know? And now he goes to a team that, you know, is kind of in the, it's kind of in the same situation. I mean, you got an aging Julian Edelman. He, I mean, I think he can still be reliable. I don't think he's going to be, you know, your guy. Uh, you got, you know, the first, the first overall pick last year or not uh, first overall, their, their first round pick last year in Nikhil Harry, which I believe that, you know, 
once he can show what he's worth, that he's not going to be as much in Belichick's doghouse anymore. And so I think that Cam has done more, in my opinion, with less. And now he goes to a team. We know what that defense is capable of. We know what Belichick is capable of. So I think this is a good spot for him. And I think he's going to be very successful in this system. So as far as overall, who is going to have the more successful season, I think the Patriots are going to have the more successful season with Cam at the helm. What do you think, George? Yeah, so you were saying, you know, the better question would be who would be more successful, the Bucks or the Patriots. But let me ask you this question. When teams lose, who is the one player or person that gets the majority of the blame? And when the team wins, who is the one player that gets praised the most? No, we're going back to this again, are we? It's true. It's true. <laughs> and answer the question, Drew. Who is it? Obviously, it's the quarterback because right. social media. Because social media. Okay. So winning is the ultimate stat. And ultimately, it comes down to the quarterback. He's the one that leads these teams. He's the one that is in charge of making these big plays. And obviously, it is a team sport, you know, and it's more than just one player. But especially when it comes to offense, you know, everyone is basically dependent on the quarterback. So to me, when it comes down to who's going to be more successful, it does come down to these quarterbacks for these teams. You know, we saw the great weapons that the Bucks had, but Jameis Winston throwing the ball, so they lack success. So, you know, a lot of people are projecting them to be a lot better because they got Tom Brady, who is going to limit some of those turnovers and mistakes. And, you know, with Cam Newton over there, I see him as still being a great quarterback. And honestly, I think they got a steal, you know, being able to get him, especially for the minimum they got him. So I'm still going to say that, you know, the success lands on the shoulders of, Brady and Cam Newton and you know because they're the quarterbacks they're the most important player they play the most important position in football and at the end of the day they're the ones who get the most blamed when things go wrong and they're also the ones that get the most praise when things go right and you know at the end of the day it comes down to those two and I believe Cam Newton will do better so to your point, George, you say that quarterbacks get the most blame when things go wrong and they get the most praise when things go right. I mean, for the most part, that's fair. But I mean, we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to talk about something else right after this. And what we're talking about is the Thursday night football game with the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. Do you blame Joe Burrow for that loss? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, well, here, here's that's a little different situation because it's a rookie. I no, I mean, he does He does get some blame. I mean, but, you know, he's a rookie in a new system in the NFL in his second game on a short week going from Sunday to Thursday, you know. So, sure, you could cut him some slack, you know, but if he was a seasoned vet, veteran quarterback and he was still playing, you know, and losing majority of his games, people do look at him and look different. You know, same thing with, um, for example, Ryan Tannehill. You know, when he was with the Dolphins, he got a lot of the blame because he kept losing. So they shipped him out. Now he went to Tennessee and he's winning games and they gave him a nice contract. You know, that's just how it works. You win games, they you do well. You know, you get credit where credit's due. You lose games, you, lo- uh, you know, you get shipped out or whatever it may be. And that's just how it is. You know, winning is what matters. And who I think will win and have a better playoff run, I think is Cam Newton. 
I think that you can make the argument that, you know, statistics are just as good as winning because let's be real here. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks that have high contracts, it's not because they are winners. It's because they have the stats. I mean, look at Kirk Cousins, for example, right? And then Carson Wentz. I mean, we've seen him win a lot more, of, obviously, than Kirk Cousins, but we've never seen it on the biggest stage or if, or even the, a bigger stage, such as the playoffs. So I believe yeah. I believe that, you know, when it comes to if, – if you're talking about, like, you know, how we deem success, I think that you have to take both into consideration for sure. Yeah, but see, here's the thing with some of those stats is they could be easily swayed. So if you're in a game, you know, and you're getting blown out and you're trying to get back into the game, you're going to have a lot of empty stats, you know, because you're throwing the ball trying to get back in versus if you're playing with the lead, now you're running the ball more, you know. So at the end of the year, and that's why I made this point in the beginning on why I thought Tom Brady would have more stats or better stats than Cam Newton because they're going to be in more shootouts. They're going to have to throw the ball to win more games than Cam Newton where they might be able to rely on the run more or rely on the defense more. So they're not going to ask Cam Newton to maybe throw as much. You know, if, if they're winning a game by two three touchdowns, Cam Newton doesn't have to throw as much. You know, they could rely on the run more. So therefore, his stats will not be as great as, you know, someone else who has to throw in garbage time or, you know, in losses where they're trying to make a run and get back into the game. So that's why I don't believe stats is the reason for success because we've seen a lot of quarterbacks have big stats, but their teams are not good. So I'm not going to put those quarterbacks ahead of other good quarterbacks that are winning games or making playoffs or making playoff runs or making it to the Super Bowl or winning the Super Bowl just because they have more yards or more touchdowns because that's not what success comes down to. Yeah, I mean, tr- like I'm like I'm in agreement with you too. I'm just you know for the sake of you know for the sake of this thing, I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate more than anything because I I 100 agree that you got to be able to win, especially in those big games and those big moments. And uh, that's in my opinion what deems success. I don't. I mean, in my opinion, I don't care how I don't care how big your stats are. If you cannot win, then I don't care. I don't. I don't want you as my quarterback. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I'm 100% in agreement with you, but we are going to go ahead. Joe, did you have something to say? No, you're good. Okay. We are going to go ahead and keep it in the NFL and discuss the number one overall pick in the NFL 2020 draft, Joe Burrow. Burrow and company battled against the Cleveland Browns on Thursday night football, where they ended up losing 30 to 35. So George, has Joe Burrow done enough to put him in front of all other rookies? To this point, no. And again, I mean, he's been able to be in two football games, whereas the other rookies have mainly been in one because they did play on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So basically, based on week one, I'm going to say no. He's not the front runner for rookies. I would definitely say, you know, the Washington football and Young would be a better choice than uh, Joe Burrow at this point. You know, they did win. He recorded one and a half sacks and forced a fumble. And one play that didn't show up on that stat sheet was uh, because Matt Leonidas, is that how you say his name, jumped off sides when Young hit uh, Carson Wentz's arms, which sent the fluttering, uh, which basically caused an interception, but it didn't count because of the penalty. 
So I think Chase Young played really well in game one, and that defense tore up the Eagles and really you know, showed what they can do. So I would definitely put Young in front of Burrow for week one. Obviously, we still have a long season ahead of us, and I'm not going to say that Joe Burrow won't be better by the end of the season because, again, he does play the most important position and you know, he, I, I do believe that he will be good and successful in this league. You know, the, the bad part is he kind of plays behind a bad offensive line. So it's going to be interesting how it shapes up if he takes a lot of big hits. But for sure, for week one, I would not put him as the best rookie so far. Frank, what are your thoughts? Uh, I kind of am going to disagree with George a little bit here. Um, just cause his example made sense, but it is kind of hard to compare two different positions. Um, but overall I can agree with George somewhat, but what I will say is this in the first week, Burrow was one of the better quarterbacks in football. I mean, he was pressured 20% of his dropbacks were pressured. Okay. And so they were expecting the complete for his completion percentage, it was a, a positive of 2.7 versus 15 quarterbacks that were underneath them. They all finished negative, only with the exception of Dwayne uh, Hoskins, who was like 12.4%. So he did better in his first week than most quarterbacks did the first week. And you're talking about veteran quarterbacks out there, regardless of who they play. So... I'm kind of giving him a little bit of a kudos to you type of thing. You came out your first game. You showed what you could do. It was a new thing. I think what helped him do this, though, was the fact that the Bengals are doing what now most teams are starting to do fairly new in the in the NFL, which is they are tending to use – whatever their college they went to. So for instance, he went, uh, Barrow went to LSU and the Tigers ran a run pass option. And when he was in that, uh, he got 75% of his passes were, were completed using that. And so I think the Bengals saw that and they started doing that in that first game, they actually started doing the pass run option and he did very well. I mean, so this week, with the Browns, I mean, he did lose, but it was a close game, man. I mean, it was 30 to 35. It was really close. Got to give it to the Browns, though. I mean, the Browns, I mean, it's the Browns, but they did really good. Their defense is pretty solid. But at the same time, the Bengals defense stopped the Browns, too. So, I mean, that's kind of getting off topic there. But in general, I do think that Barrow is, it's only week one. Um, it's kind of hard to tell right now versus all other rookies. Like I said, George made a good point um, with the other rookie he was talking about. But like I said, he still finished and completed, you know, a lot more than most quarterbacks did on week one. And this guy was a rookie. So it's just, uh, we'll see. It's a little too early, but we'll see. I think he's doing pretty good. And I think he's gonna be a great quarterback. I honestly do. If, if, if the Bengals keep up with this run pass defense that he's used to with the LSU, I mean, if it's not broken, don't fix the type of thing. I think he's going to do awesome. Joe, what do you think? Uh, George, you raised your hand. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, Frank, what was that stat you were saying about Burrow that he was top in 
uh, what amongst quarterbacks? So it was so like top 15 or something. Well, it was in, in general, they were talking about their, um, the completion percentage differential. His was a positive versus most of the quarterbacks were a negative. And you said he was 15th on that list? No, there was 15 other quarterbacks that were underneath him. Okay, so he was middle of the pack then since there's right. 32 teams. So he, he wasn't at the top or anything. No, but I mean, for being a rookie, first game, and these other quarterbacks that were underneath them, I mean, they've had more experience than him. You would expect I mean, him to be a lot lower in the pack, in my opinion, being a rookie. All right, so Joe Burrow had a chance to go 2-0 from week one to this week. So, yes, Joe Burrow is the best rookie for the past two weeks. The only reason why they didn't win their first game is because their kicker had two tight hamstrings in his legs, and you can't kick on a tight hamstring. Drew, Frank, you guys played soccer, right? You, you yeah. know, oh, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to kick a ball with tight hamstrings. I, I can't do track with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And in tonight's game, the defense was absolutely horrible. They couldn't make a tackle to save their life. They needed to stop the run. I don't know how they got to do it, but they needed to know how to tackle and stop the run. They did okay against the pass with that one interception. That was pretty nice. But maybe it's because Geno Atkins is out with the injury, but something has to change for that defense. But all in all, Joe Burrow had a solid, solid comeback to make it 30 to 35 with that touchdown. Mm-hmm. So you I think I have to think about everything collectively in this and it. The question is, does has he done enough to separate himself from all the other rookies? And the truth is, no, he hasn't done enough to separate himself. But it's not his fault. This guy is a talented player, and anybody that watches him can see that. It's just the team, in my opinion. Let's look at the Cincinnati Bengals. Their offensive line ranked 31st coming into this season, according to Pro Football Focus. Sure, he has some good pieces around him, but if there's no time to get those pieces the ball, then he's not going to do well, and they won't win a lot of games. You you mentioned Frank that they're you know that they switched to a you know run pass option, which um, for the you know for the most part tries to do a better job of getting that ball out quickly. But I mean, to be fair, that's really the only option they have is try to get that ball out as quickly as they can, and we saw that in the second game of the season versus the Browns. The truth is, I honestly grow tired of teams doing this where they they draft a QB when they have a terrible offensive line and expect all their problems to just go away. Um, Unless you have a good offensive line or a top five defense, which clearly the Bengals do not. They were last year, they were ranked 25th in defense. And we saw we saw in this game why they were ranked 25th in defense. Unless you have a good offensive line or a top five defense, you should not draft your franchise quarterback and throw him into the fire like that. Get the offensive line first, get the defense first, do, do either of those things first, then think about your quarterback, grab yourself a Ryan Fitzpatrick or a Teddy Bridgewater, or even a Jameis Winston as like a temporary plug at quarterback. While you have that player, 
fix the line and make it good. Then draft a franchise quarterback so he can be successful early behind a solid offensive line. That way, teams the way that thing the way that teams do nowadays, it's just, you know, they ask too much of their franchise quarterback. And, you know, coming right out of college, it's too much for them sometimes. And it's just frustrating for me to watch personally. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, you can make kind of a good point. I think that's kind of what happened with Mahomes, right? I mean, they had a pretty solid line before Mahomes came in, and he's done pretty successful. So, and not just that, but you know, not just that, but they had you know great pieces around him. The right. defense wasn't the defense wasn't that bad, you know. And right, then he's got exactly what I'm saying. I think that your point makes sense in in that fact because the perfect example would be Patrick Mahomes, right? And you know, you got Andy Reid, of course, which I mean, well, he, yeah, you know. He knows exactly what to do with, of course, Patrick Holmes. George, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I got two things to add real quick. So, you know, this whole thing that Joe Burrow played really well, you know, I just don't see it. You know, he had a QBR of 20, which is ranked, you know, 100 being the best. You know, that's where the score is, 50 being average. So he had a 20 on the QBR and he played better the first game than he did in the second game. You know, his completion percent was better. You know, some of these other stats were better in game one than game two. And again, it was a short week. He's a rookie, so I'm not going to go ahead and crucify him this early. I still, th- like I said, I think he will be good, you know, and I agree. You know, you got to do things to the team to have him ha- uh, be more successful. Like Drew was saying, you know, improve the line, improve some of these other weapons. But uh, one question for you, Drew, real quick is you said he hasn't separated him from the other rookies. So who would you say is the front runner for the rookies after week one. Um, if we were talking about after week one, it's definitely Chase Young for sure. All right, Joe, what are your thoughts? All right, I'm going to go back to what Drew and Frank said about fixing the offensive line. Yeah, like you said, fix the offensive line. Get like a veteran in there. Like, it's like we'll go back to the Chiefs. The Chiefs had Alex Smith at the quarterback with that offensive line, and they drafted Patrick Mahomes. They sat Mahomes for a year, mm. and then when that time came, Alex Smith unfortunately got hurt, and bam, Mahomes came in with a good offensive line, and the rest is history. Look at him now. Mm. Frank? No, yeah, that's exactly what I was – the point I was trying to make, Joe. Uh, I'm kind of going off topic here, but – I was just, you know, because we were talking about the Bengals and such. Do you guys, I mean, I want to kind of know this, kind of like I said, it's kind of off topic, but I kind of want to know the opinions. Do you think this is the Bengals' answer versus, or do you think they should have kept Andy Dalton? I mean, Andy Dalton's not a bad quarterback. I just think maybe he was in the wrong system, which means, in my opinion, maybe they could have changed the system to fit Andy Dalton. Dalton or do you think that their answer is what they did now they have Burrow and I don't know it kind of goes into what Andrew was saying you just throw Burrow into this and you're just kind of like okay yay we're good to go and kind of thing you know Mm -hmm. what do you what do you think George yeah so to answer that I'm gonna answer pretty much you and Andrew so here's the thing like if you got one of those top picks and you see a quarterback in that draft that you think is going to be that guy, you draft him, you know. But, you know, to go back to Frank, and I've always thought this, 
and I'm sure I've talked to you guys before about this, you know, I, I've been one to take the Mahomes route where, yeah, you draft that quarterback, but have him sit at least half the season or so, especially in a year like this year where, you know, the pandemic, short off season, no preseason, you know, I would definitely take like the, um, the Tua route, you know, where they start Fitzmagic and maybe Tua gets the start next year or halfway through the season. But definitely if you see that guy, because quarterbacks, you know, that's the biggest bust ratio that you could draft out of any position in the NFL draft. So if you think that's the, your guy, I would definitely go and get it because if it turns out to be your guy, you have a player for about 20 years on your team. And especially if he's elite, you know, you're going to, you're going to, with an elite quarterback, you're always going to be in the mix. And like I said, I would definitely take the route where I draft my quarterback and I make sure he's ready to play before I just throw him in the fire, such as like Mahomes. You know, I would definitely go with that route versus week one, throw him in. So in this case, I would have kept Andy Dalton, had him start this year. And then if you stink it up again, you get a top draft pick. And since you picked up your quarterback, well, now you could fix up your offensive line or any other issues that you have on that team. What are your thoughts, Joe? Yeah, basically just what you said. You keep Andy Dalton, draft Burrow, have Andy Dalton start for the season. Plus they have that rookie, Jonah Williams. So he's pretty good. But they need they need and then in the next year's draft, they draft accordingly to their offensive line. So that either a right guard, center, left guard, left tackle, either either one, depending on how many picks you have. So like like you said, draft accordingly to center around Burrow, but don't start him until that offensive line is set because you don't want him getting injured in his first year, you know. Right. And uh, just to kind of poke fun at it, it just I think it'd be better off for Dalton anyways. I mean, the poor guy now has to sit behind Prescott. <laughs> and I think that sucks. I mean, I think Andy Dalton was a great quarterback. Um, I think that you know, regardless if you think that that's your guy or not. I mean, even even if that guy is the undisputed number one overall pick like Joe Burrow was, I mean, you still got to make sure you have a team, like something around him. And, uh, you know, Frank, you were saying like, you know, keep Andy Dalton for, you know, a year or two and have Burrow be behind. Let's, let's I mean, let's look at the quarterbacks that, you know, have either A, you know, sat and learned in a great system, B, have had a great team around him to start, or both, okay? I'm going to give you three examples, okay? One we've already talked about, uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? This guy, you know, he sat behind Alex Smith for a year and got put into an offense where where Andy Reid was just, you know, amazing at play calling, honestly. And the offense had great weapons. They They had a good enough offensive line and a good enough defense to get the job done. Look what happens. They win a Super Bowl. My second example... Aaron Rodgers, he sits behind Brett Favre and, you know, some people consider him the best quarterback in NFL history, you know, and my third example, Russell Wilson, you know, this guy, you know, he started right away, but let's be real here. That was a, that was a historically great defense that he, you know, kind of rode, he kind of rode their coattails a little bit for the first couple of years. And, but like, because of that, it allowed him the time to develop as a quarterback and now he's considered one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. You know, him, it's 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 him, Mahomes, Lamar, you know what I mean? Like, I would say those are like, you know, the top three right now. But, I mean, you know, that's 
look at look at what you can do if you can set up the team first before you can set your guy up if that makes sense yeah i mean but with the russell wilson example he was he wasn't a first round pick you know so his expectations were a little different the team was obviously more well-rounded you know defense oriented um but you know back to the Bengals, you know their offense their offensive weapons aren't bad. You know, he's got weapons around him. If A.J. Green is healthy, he's a top receiver in the league. You know, Boyd is a good receiver. Ross is a good receiver. You know, they got a nice tight end. So his options for offense aren't terrible. Like, yeah, you got to fix up that line. Yeah, you got to fix up that defense. But, you know, as far as the weapons he's throwing to, and, you know, he's also got Joe Mixon back there, you know, his weapons are good, you know, so... He doesn't have the worst weapons in the league. He's got pretty good weapons, in my opinion, that he's you know able to play with. But that defense does need to be upped, and that offensive line does need to be improved. All right. So now it's time for a new segment we like to call Joe's Weekly Pick'em. So... I'm going to go in order from the early times all the way down to the late games. So the first game I have is Giants versus Bears. I say Giants are going to win this because we don't know which Bears team we're going to get. Falcons-Cowboys. Cowboys are going to get this dub. They need a redemption after last week's game. Uh, uh, Lions-Packers. Packers will win. There's no need for an explanation. Now, Jaguars Titans drew the, I'm sorry to tell you this but Titans are going to win. Henry will have a himself a field day with this defense. Vikings versus Colts. Colts are going to win. But this was a pretty close matchup, but Colts are going to edge them out. Bills Dolphins, I say Bills are going to win. They're just the better team here. Good job, George. <laughs> 49ers versus Jets. The 49ers will win. Even though they got injuries, the next man has to step up. With but uh, Rams Eagles, Rams Rams over Eagles. Um, the line is pretty lackluster. Aaron Donald will have himself a good day. Broncos Steelers Steelers. They had the better squad, so they're going to win it. Broncos versus Bucks. Uh, Bucks are going to win. Brady will have himself a redemption game from last week. Expect for a lot of passing yards. Um, Washington versus Cardinals. Cardinals are going to win. This is a bad matchup just for the Cardinals. I mean, this is a bad matchup for the Washington team. Uh, Chiefs Chargers. Uh, Chiefs are going to win. That's a no-brainer. But let's not be surprised if it's if it gets kind of close. Ravens Texans. Ravens are going to win. Wits, Wa- um, Watson has no weapons on the Ravens. Oh, for the and the Ravens defense will play to that. Um, Patriots Seahawks, Seahawks will win. They have a good secondary to stop the pass, and they'll put a spy on Cam. And my my team, Raiders Saints. So I'm gonna be a little biased on this one. The Raiders are gonna win. Plus, the Saints doesn't have uh, Mike Thompson, uh, Michael Thompson, and uh, we already stopped the number one running back from last year in Christian McCaffrey. So why not stop the second running back from last year? And those are my weekly picks. Joe, his name is Michael Thomas, not Thompson. Um, 
<laughs> Joe, I got one question for your pickums. Okay, what's that? If there's one game that has the potential for the biggest upset, what would you say has the biggest upset chance? Uh, Chargers and Chiefs. If the charge out, if the Chargers come out with the victory, I will be surprised. That's the fact. All right, I like that. I was really hoping you would say the Jaguars right there. Uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Drew, but the Titans are going to get this one. I'm sorry. You think so? I don't know, man. The Titans are not expected to have AJ Brown because he's injured. We'll hey, see. That run, but they got Derrick Henry. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Well, that's all the time we have for today, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on Highly Contested. We will post a podcast every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So be sure to stay tuned. Keep with it and be prepared to be highly contested. Have a good one. Highly contested. 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 Highly contested.